Welcome to the Hawks Cast, featuring your hosts, Troy Donis and Sean McMahon, here to talk you through all things in the South Warrandyte Cricket World. Hello and welcome to the first ever edition of the Hawks Cast. We're going to be bringing you this very 2020 show uh, throughout the cricket season as it's a little bit unlikely that we'll be able to share a beer, at least in the immediate future, after the game or uh, or before the game at training or anything like that. So we're going to talk all things Hawks in this podcast and keep uh, the Hawks community up to date. And with me as the host is going to be Sean McMahon. Sean, how are you going? Absolutely thrilled to be here, Donis. You're uh, you're certainly a man of of words, and uh, we're great grateful to have you on this podcast. Sean and myself will be co-hosting throughout the season, and we'll have uh, a range of guests on. And this week's show, we thought we'd just go straight to the top, get the big man himself, Josh Exley, and uh, and get all the ins and outs of this season. And uh, later on in the show as well, we're going to have Tuggy in to talk all things vets with us and to tell us why his daughter is already better than him at cricket. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, Sean, what have you been up to in the off-season? Have you you've been putting on a few COVID kilos or have, uh, have you just been working out in the gym as I can imagine you doing? Um, obviously, we're well aware that fitness and health is what I dream and live for. And <laughs> watching the big fella Raquel Cornwell spin a mystery <laughs> in England, I have taken to getting to 140 kilos, as the big fella has done. <laughs> Watch out. That is uh, peak performance. Peak performance doesn't come easily. <laughs> I've, uh, you're the only man I've seen. You, you came back from a European holiday, so you, you've effectively been in summer at this point for about eight months in a row, and you came back like the week before the season started. And with a pair of shorts on, I um, I actually had to had to put my sunnies on from the reflection. You were so pasty. You'd somehow gotten less tanned on a European holiday and put on an enormous amount of weight. So uh, you were still able to bounce me though. So I'm looking forward to looking forward to facing you with a few extra kilos. To be honest, C- can certainly bounce you, but do struggle with the warm up lap at training. <laughs> uh, no uh, no prizes for guessing that one. Um, We've got the we've got the fixture coming out soon, uh, Sean. We've been told by the RDCA president Michael Finn that it looks like the season case numbers going well at this stage. Touch wood. Should start on should start on November fourteen, with training to begin on October twenty six. Uh, so we're hopefully starting a couple of weeks of the games before the final restrictions lifted. So. That's pretty exciting. Um, I was wondering with the fixture coming out, where are you looking forward to playing? Who are you looking forward to playing? Is there any any uh, matchups that you're particularly excited about? Well, obviously, always thrilled and pumped to get out playing on the hallowed turf of Coleman. I think I've done now 18 years in a row, every single Saturday, looking forward to playing at Coleman. Um, right. Love the hill. Love the hill. Love the grandstand. Most picturesque ground in the RDCA. Um, No bias there. No bias whatsoever. Um, uh, One of the clubs that does have beer on tap, I'm sure we're all aware of. Mm -hmm. 
Um, certainly not missing playing on some of the grounds that we might have dealt with as younger fellas coming through the grades. Little shout out to Ooh. Doncaster East Secondary College. <laughs> uh, the, that's, uh... the only ground in the RDCA that's more broken plates than grass. And, <laughs> and whoever put the pitch in didn't know that the pitch was supposed to run from the longest side. So we had a long boundary of 20 metres and a wide boundary of 55 <laughs> metres. That is, uh, it's not great for the bowling average, those ones. You look at your micro career average and uh, it's just it's just ruined by a season playing at home at Doncaster East. Well, that's what you tell your parents anyway. Spot on. Well, in my case, play with my parent and had the pleasure of seeing... <laughs> no, no excuses, then. Had the pleasure of seeing the old man go for 50 in three overs at Doncaster <laughs> East as a 14-year-old. <laughs> I reckon my nightmare ground would have to be uh, back at Moorbach when we used to play there back in the day. You'd get there and they just wouldn't have mowed it after summer every year. Knee-high grass, balls lost in the, in, in the ring, looking for it, got three or four blokes looking for it. Rob Cutler doing rolls, trying to roll his body over the ball, but it's actually still, you know, they're running like sevens and eights just trying to find the ball. That was uh, that was definitely uh, the most village thing I've, I've participated in. I've participated in my fair share of village, village cricket. A lot of village cricket, and you're absolutely spot on. That was definitely a case of the fattest team would always win. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be pretty good at it now, actually, thinking back. I'll have to... Might have to head back there in our old age. Peaking for it. Um, I might also yeah. give a little shout-out to Little Warrandite, uh, absolute postage stamp out the back of Warrandite and was yeah. on the receiving end of a bloke scoring 300 as a young fella. <laughs> <laughs> the Creek and River just right behind, a few balls back in there. Did not hit one ball out of the middle of the bat and somehow still plundered <laughs> 18 sixes, 300, <laughs> and they declared it 600-odd. <laughs> Oh, that is a cracking day of cricket. I can see why you're still playing 10 years later. Hard to go past that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, with the uh, the fixtures and, and preparing for next season, we thought we would get uh, yeah go straight to the top, and we, we've brought in the one and only VP, Josh Exley. X, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Troy. Great to be here on the first Hawks cast. Uh Absolutely, uh, a massive pleasure. Oh, we're uh, we're grateful to have you. We want to uh, get through as much information as we can for all the hawks out there to uh, get them ready for the season. And uh, the first thing we we wanted to ask you is, how's your knee? You've obviously you've obviously stuffed the whole club up. You've um, cost us a premiership. Um, you've, for those of you who don't know, X decided to go to football training for the first time in ten years the week before the finals this year. And, uh, and he did his ACL. So did you get your surgery in or did COVID ruin it all? How's, how's the knee going? Uh, yeah, not too bad at the moment. I'm still gutted about that, missing the finals. But, um, yeah, I managed to get the surgery in three months later. So in between the two lockdowns here in Melbourne, uh, yeah, so I waited three months for the surgery. Got it done in May. So I'm now, um, yeah, four or five months post-surgery, getting the rehab done Uh Pretty well most days get it done which is nice and looking forward to eventually getting back out there whenever it may be that's great well um we wanted to 
Arcee than how, how the season went in your eyes, you thought. Obviously, didn't go too well on the last day, but I uh, just want to get your thoughts on on what you thought in a, in a whole club sense, how the, how the club performed last year. Yeah, I think um, everyone was pretty happy with the end results and going into the season, maybe we weren't sure where we sat. We were pretty happy with a few new signings. The first 11 looked a little bit different to the year before, but I think um, from a whole club sense, everyone was stoked to see all four teams, all four senior teams make the finals. Um, even though we didn't net a premiership from that, I think um, it's a really good stepping stone for everyone at the club to get some finals experience and understand what that's like and what it might be like and what it takes to win a final. So um, I'm looking forward to the seasons in the future when we can use that experience and hopefully go one step further in a few grades and, and guys can keep pushing to win that, uh, that elusive flag. Yeah, I definitely noticed the uh, the environment and the vibe around the club was up with uh, teams regularly winning, and it was great to see a lot of younger fellas in the in the threes and fours getting some wins as well after a few barren years down there. So, uh, well done to the to the uh, the VP and the and the P Matt, Matt Fass and getting everything sorted and uh, getting us onto the field in great shape. Um, just focusing on the ones, we obviously had a, a pretty good couple of signings. Andy Sullivan's coming in. Just wanted to. Get your thoughts there on on how that's shaping up uh, for next season as well. Yeah, so Andy was massive for us last year coming in. Um, had a brilliant all-round season with the bat and the ball and um, even in the field often provided really great energy. Um, always had really great ideas as well. So um, the club's taken the step to um, appoint Andy as captain of the first 11 this season, which is really exciting news given his wealth of experience. Uh, obviously, that means Josh Barrett will be stepping down from the position um, after three years in the role, including a grand final and um, two other years in the final. So he's obviously done a really great job. Um, but being able to pass the baton on to Andy now um, with Barrett still in the team, uh, I think it's going to be uh, really promising and uh, really help out the younger guys in the team. We can get the most out of Andy, which is going to be brilliant. Uh, I think he's really excited and Everyone around the club's really excited to see what he's got to offer. That's great. Of course, got Andy's uh, ESPN Crick Info page up here, which is extraordinary itself that someone playing for South Warrenite has a Crick Info page. 75 first-class matches, 65 list A matches, batting averages in the 20s, bowling averages uh, in the 20s as well. So um, pretty incredible stuff to have a guy. Him, uh, He's only 32 as well at the club and, and to lead us. So uh, very lucky there. And hopefully uh, he can he can go on to even better things next season. Uh, any other signings in the ones this year? Is there anything else happening on that front? Yeah, there's been a little bit going on um, pre-COVID uh, or sort of during the lockdown. Um, we had uh, Sam Beagley sign uh, or come back to the club. So really great news. Sam's a um, pretty fast bowler who will sort of spearhead the attack with a couple of the other guys. Tom Livo and Andy that came in last year. So that's starting to make the bowling lineup look, look really ominous. Um, Sam took 25 wickets in Wilkins last year for Norwood. So we'll be Ooh. stepping back into Newey Plate and we expect him to um, play a really big role with the ball. But also um, he's been appointed as assistant coach to coach Damon Bozzo. So he'll bring some new ideas and be able to help Damo out in that way, which um, we're also really excited for. and. Um, improving our training and um, 
some of the off-field off-field banter as well. Obviously, everyone everyone loves Beegs. That's fantastic to get a uh, former favourite son back at the club. Uh, Sean, what do you think of um, having Beegs back in the uh, in the nets so you can have to face him about seven thirty at night, bowling huge no balls? Uh, absolutely terrified. Um, very strong memories of Beegley stepping over a meter, dropping in bounces in the dark. Uh, yep. Barely picked the ball up that's, in that's the big pine lot. tree. So not happy at all. As an opening batsman, I'll be uh, <laughs> doing whatever I can to avoid that. I've yep. got a I've got a good story about Beegs in the nets. He was he was him and Gaz were two of the biggest criminals for stepping over the line by a long way. And and Turbo would probably tell you that I'm I'm pretty bad for that as well, just to try and get a few extra yards. But Beegs was next level. And I think it was my first season when I broke into the into the ones and Skull had just peeled off a hundred in the twos the week before and Skull made an appearance, his first appearance at training in ten years. <laughs> he gave an absolutely stirring speech about how we just need to dig in with the back. <laughs> I had the I had the pads on ready to go into the nets and I was really inspired by what Sculler just had to say about making the 100 and what it takes and the mental side of the game. I walk into the nets, Sculler had been talking and blabbering on for so long that it had actually gone dark while we were waiting for him to finish his speech. (laughs) He comes in off the long run, steps two minutes over the line and sends my pegs flying everywhere. (laughs) Gaz took one look at that and said, nah, he's not up to it and dropped it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, the hopes of the whole club on your shoulders and you've just absolutely ruined all the momentum skull speech of a lifetime and just out the door i'm in one moment of uh i'm absolutely amazed you picked up anything of what skull had just said but (laughs) with a spit and chips and i my most vivid memory of Skull is definitely playing the game at Stinton's Reserves where the opposition team brought out the tray of nuggets and Skull pulled up his own chair. Like <laughs> the, the chairs were away. He pulled up the chair, put it in between the two scorers' chairs in the middle of the table and just put himself right in front of the nuggets. Ate them all. Well, most people do play cricket for the Arvo T, so can't blame him there. Yeah. Keeping no. away from the watermelon, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's got to cut down his sugars, so only six jimmies and no watermelon for scale. Um, speaking of uh, six jimmies, with functions a little bit up in the air, X, we obviously, we're not sure what's happening there, but if we do uh, get back on, do you know what the plans are for the season? What, uh, anything exciting happening on that front? Uh, yeah, so we've got a couple of newbies on the committee. So a shout out to Ben Thompson and Tom Woodward, who... Um, were big drivers of the social element last year and plan to do that this year on the committee. Uh, we've also got Darcy Price, who loves to get involved with a social function. So those three together are planning some pretty exciting things when we can get back in the rooms. Obviously, there'll be the, the regular events like the trivia night, but we're um, depending on what we're able to do uh, in the rooms and how many people we can have in there, we're planning some pretty, pretty exciting functions. Um, and we're also hoping to get a couple of couple of Zoom functions going on as well, if that's going to be uh, only what we're able to do. So, yeah, Das, Benny and Turbo are, are working on that, along with yourself, Troy. So, um, pretty excited. What have, what have you got planned for us? Oh, just the usual, uh, you know, big, big, um, big DJ sets, a lot of uh, Turbo dancing on tables. Um, 
and uh, a lot of getting lifts from Budgie this year so that I can uh, get absolutely pissed at the club and, and not have to worry about it. That's that's my plans. Maybe Sean can pick me up. Um, now, we've got uh, obviously got the, the function centre, which has been a huge boon to the club. It's been fantastic to... Uh, to have a drink there, big balcony and all that. Um, is there anything else happening with that? Do we, do we need, uh, are we getting some stands on the, on the ground? Are we, what's, uh, what's going on with the function setup? Because I know uh, Franz is always looking for upgrades. Look, we're in a holding pattern there at the moment, but the absolute fantasy is to get a putting green out there and turn the whole balcony into a big that is, that is exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah, pit, little pitch and putt onto the oval as well. Maybe get a couple of holes out in the oval. Get the pitch and putt. We'll get uh, fifty bucks a swing, and if you can, if you can nail turbo on the field, you win the you win the jackpot. Sounds good. Sounds sounds brilliant. The scoreboard will be up and running as well this year. We'll we'll make sure that that's uh, a prime feature of the club. Absolutely awesome asset to have. Um, obviously, when Andy made that ridiculous 80 off 20 balls against several we had the scoreboard going and it made for quite a nice quite a nice photo at the end of the day so that's going to be a, a big part of the club going forward as well oh, i like that um and on the grounds and leagues i heard we had a little bit of a league merger do you want to explain that one for us x for all those who haven't heard about it yeah so um the rdca voted or all the club presidents voted to see whether Clubs from the Yarra Valley Cricket Association would be coming into the RDCA. I think the Yarra Valley League's been struggling for a few years for participation, um, so they've decided to merge in, and there was a 100% vote for um, in favour of that happening. So all of the Yarra Valley clubs following Mount Evelyn and Seville coming in last year will be into the RDCA. I think the grading of those clubs is to come. I'm not sure if it'll affect it'll It'll affect the first 11, but it might affect the second 11. So I'm looking forward to hearing how late Sean's going to be to uh, to Warburton this year. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, I think um, I'll be doing a few coin tosses if that's the case. Well, my understanding was that Seville and Mount Evelyn, who joined um, Newey last year, were the strongest sides. So it's likely that those sides will probably come into the, the fourth and fifth shield grades. Is that is that correct? I'd say so. Mount Evelyn ended up finishing second. And several finished sixth or seventh, so um, they were the top two sides that came in. So I'd imagine the next couple of sides, which are Yarra Junction and Warburton, um, Sylvan, a few others, will be in the next couple of rungs down. So we'll just see where that ends up. I think if the two is going to be driving out there every week, then it's beholden upon the club to buy us a party bus. I think that's just uh, fair, fair and reasonable. I'm just waiting for Sean's budget to come in and then I'll be <laughs> triggering that one. Well, um, and as I understand in the lower grades, they're going to split the RDCA into two pools. So Lillardale area teams might join the those country teams and then there'll be a more Ringwood-based area. Is that is that correct? Was that uh, correct? Yeah. yeah, there's been rumours. I haven't seen a confirmation of that yet, but I'd imagine that would be the best way to try and keep people involved and avoid sort of fourth and fifth 11s having to travel too far. So I think, um, yeah, they were the rumours a few weeks ago, but we'll just await the fixture in the coming days and or coming weeks. And when we know that, obviously, it'll be all over our socials. Yeah, great. And um, our 
threes and fours. We're looking at four teams this year or five, do you reckon? Uh, definitely five. I think since the end of last season, we've been pushing the five and um, we're getting contact with a few guys that are maybe 50-50, but I'm pretty confident we'll get the five teams up. We had probably 50 committed players last year or maybe even more than that, maybe 55 with a few out each week. Um, yep. So we filled the four teams really easily. And in the finals, it made it a real tight squeeze when all four teams were in. So I'm hoping hoping for five teams and that'll be the push. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So Croydon Hills will still be that uh, lower ground. And now I believe we're having a, having a crack at Stinton's as a fifth ground. But who knows? We'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, now we've talked about the first captain. We're, we're lucky to have Andy in. Uh, are there any players that have departed south this year? Uh, uh, yeah. family? Unfortunately, we say goodbye to Josh Barr after one season. I think uh, he'd be happy with me saying that Coleman maybe wasn't the ground for an off-spinner to come into the first 11. No, another um, off-spinner's career ended by Coleman. Yeah, so he's moving on to um, bigger things in the subbies with Box Hill, which um, will suit him really well, I think. His bowling style... We saw he was pretty unlucky last year. So many times to have a miss hit that had just fall over the fence. So um, we've talked with him and um, helped him make that move up into the subbies with Box Hill and with Damo's brother over there. So um, I think that'll suit him really well. And he had a great season. Love the boys. I'm sure we'll still see him around the club at some social events. Yeah, great. Um, and one final one for you. We've talked about the ones, Captain. What about the twos, Captain? Uh, Espik Mann. Yeah, is he going to be reappointed? Is he is he going to get demoted, promoted? What's happening with uh, with Shawnee? Well, it's it's still up in the air. There's been a couple of uh, indiscretions last season, which have been well documented. Um, across the last catches. Of, yeah, drop catches in important preliminary final moments, and leaving keys in his car, and forgetting his forgetting his boots and things like that. So um, we're waiting to see whether whether Sean would like to step back into the position, but I'm sure that'll be decided in the next few weeks. And maybe the careers of a few guys will be decided based on that as well. <laughs> I think a couple of the guys in that second 11 only play because they get to play under Sean. Can you confirm or deny these rumours, Sean? Are you, are you going to uh, step, put your hand up again this year or are you, um, you going to try and learn how to field and, and play at a higher grade? Look, I'm about to drop a huge scoop for the inaugural Hawkcast, but absolutely I'll be taking over the role of the most loved captain of the club and you'll see me <laughs> at 12.45 every week um, asking Donis who won the toss at Telly. I look forward to that. Uh, always a good day out the field with Shorty. Uh, X, thank you very much for coming on and, and uh, chatting all things Hawks with us. Just before you go, um, one quick question yeah. from me. Is the Golden Duck returning? Can you talk us through the format? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, revolutionary on a Thursday night, I think. Um, <laughs> I must admit that Alex Katnow was the pioneer and he really dragged me into it to start off with. And since his departure, I've sort of had to take over and I've been longing for a new partner uh, in crime, but no one sort of stood up enough. So I'll be I'll be taking it over again. The Golden Duck flies. Thursday night finds uh, the money. Would you believe is rolling over for another season after we weren't able to spend it last year? Uh, uh, 
postseason trip was, of course, cancelled. So that'll have to roll into next next year. So it's going to be a big prize pool for us. Sounds like uh, the party with, bus may be on. Ooh. It could be. It could be. Uh, who who got the most fines last year, X, out of interest? Uh, ben Thompson was a clear winner. I think he ended up with 40-odd dollars. Jeez, ahead of Turbo. That's incredible. It's huge. It, uh, it knocks Turbo off his uh, two-year streak. So Turbo won two years in a row with 30 or 40 bucks, and Benny came in as a first-season player, which makes it even more remarkable. That is huge. Um, it's going to be and tough to beat again, I'd say. Punching a bucket. Beat as well. Yeah, I swear I've seen Skull get fined every week. Where was he? Was he up there towards the top? Usual suspects. I think Skull came in maybe third or fourth. I think Damo mm. might have been up there. Darth and Church, absolute criminal for this sort of stuff. So, <laughs> Well, we certainly look forward to that on a Thursday, whether it's via uh, Zoom or otherwise. Um, so Golden Duck back for another year. Absolutely. X, thanks for coming, mate. It's been a pleasure. No worries. We'll, we'll no doubt we'll have you back on later on in a year as well. Yep, sounds great. Thank you. Well, it's been uh, great to talk about all things Hawks, but we want to talk about a little bit of other cricket as well on this show. And uh, there's been a bit of international cricket, which has been uh, going on late at night over in England, just getting us through this uh, COVID period. England have played a series against... Pakistan, the West Indies, and now the Aussies are over there. Sean, have you been tuning into this one at all? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time watching the Windies. I uh, would have loved to have seen them knock off the Poms. Um, yes. Very favourite cricket team, I think, the West Indies. A few units in that team that make a park cricketer proud, specifically before-mentioned <laughs> Rockell Cornwell. However, there's also something very nice about watching... Holding lead the boys, took on the hardest job in world cricket, being captain as a 20-year-old and has performed exceptionally well given lack of funding, lack of resources and a lot of pressure from a nation. Yep, definitely. I saw a a few park shots from some of those West Indies boys out there, just a lot of uh, very aggressive, unnecessarily aggressive hitting in test cricket. But it was great to see them get a win in the first one and I... Love nothing more than watching England lose in any sport. So I was really hoping for that series victory, but we didn't get it. Um, now, I was watching last night the Aussies playing a one-day, which they won, which was fantastic, but something really caught my eye watching uh, Mitch Marsh in the car park searching for a ball. It really brought a, uh, a warm smile to my heart, that one. That's, I've, uh, I've always wanted to bring them down a peg a little bit and now Mitch is doing the same thing that I am each Saturday. It's absolutely spot on. Nothing worse than hunting for a pill in the car park and finding a ball that you've been salivering up for the afternoon, looking very sunscreeny and smelling a bit sunscreeny. And find... you think, You'd think you'd be done by that by the time you get to Australia. You'd think you'd never have to do that again. Uh, nothing worse than seeing a big hunk out of the shiny side of the ball and thinking, well, no good, no good. There's always, cricket always finds a way no matter where you get to to, to bring you back down a peg. And I think that uh, that really, really sums it up. But just watching Australian blokes in their jerseys out in the car park, no security helping them. Just fantastic, fantastic scenes. Um, Steve Smith copped a blow on the head, though, which is a bit of a disaster. I tell you what, if 
something makes you nervous as a cricketer, it's the best batsman I've seen in my generation. Unable to play a short ball says a lot. Should be outlawed from the game, the bouncer. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be a bit of strife. Sorry, it should be outlawed, a deliberate bouncer. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, now, each each week we're going to have a little segment, uh, the niche shield cricketer on the week, just highlighting a past shield cricketer's undersold fame. A lot of guys went through, particularly before the Big Bash era, had fantastic careers and, um, you know, they were either on C7 Sport or just like streamed on the Cricket Australia app where like even their parents probably weren't watching. So we just want to shine a light on those stars. Um, the first one I've got for us this week is Andrew Feckety. He once made an Australian test squad, but the tour got cancelled to Bangladesh and he never got to go. But uh, Feck had played 39 matches at first-class level uh, for a bowling average of 30 with best figures of 10 for 110 in a match playing for Victoria and Tasmania. So Andrew Feckety is... Uh, He's my niche shield cricketer of the week. Now, is it true that you have had an interaction with Aaron Fe- Andrew Feckety in your time? Oh, that might be, that rumour might be true. I, um, As you know, Sean, I took a nine for last is season. Is that right? And um, Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but now that you've, uh, you've pushed me there. Um, and I might have had a celebratory beer or two. And uh, I was calling up a mate who plays for Camberwell, and, and Feck happens to be the captain of that team in the district. Oh, Feck, is he? No, I was just, yeah, Feck, I'm, I'm on nickname basis with him. <laughs> and so I just asked my mate to pass the phone over to Feck because I just wanted to tell him that I was better than him, obviously. I've just taken a nine for. And, um, you know, just slipped in my figures, mate, nine for 38. And he said, that's all well and good. I've got 10 for a shield match. I said, mate, it's not nine in innings. He said, well, I took nine for 26 in a first grade game. And probably hung up on me. So, um, you know, got absolutely Alfred, no doubt about it. Put back in my place. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see Feck come out and take nine for against uh, Wonga Park second 11. That would be, you know, you can do it. You can do it on a, do it, do it out in the, the big legs, but can you do it on a rainy day in uh, at Stoke? I would absolutely or love to know whether he also refers to himself as the last airbender. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just I can't I can't hide away from it. So it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> yep. Um, now, so we've got uh, the next segments. We've got in uh, a club legend, and uh, we're going to have a chat to him. One of our. Uh, next up on the Hawkscast, we've got a, a big club. It's lots of parts. So one of those parts is the vets, and so we thought we'd hark back to yesteryear. And also, you know, current year, he's still a fantastic player, I'm sure. And we've got Tim Rule on the show. Tuggy, how you going, mate? Going very well, mate. Thanks very much for the call. It's uh, it's a privilege to be up and, uh, yeah, you know, funny times um, we're dealing with, but uh, really looking forward to a cricket season, I can tell you right now. Absolutely. And that's why we got you on. You're a, you're a man of uh, many talents and you've got a, a few things, uh, fingers in a few pies for South Warrenite. Uh, but first, I, I wanted to talk about your illustrious career because uh, obviously there's a lot of back in my day at any career club, but no more than <laughs> at South Warrenite. I couldn't imagine there being more back in my day anywhere else. Uh, so we wanted to ask you about your career. Obviously, you played for both South Warrenite and North Ringwood. I've seen your name up on the board. You're a club champion. 
um, former coach of South Warrandyte. Uh, yep. If you had my cricket, if my cricket was available from, you know, the start of your career, what do you reckon your batting average would be? Oh, jeez. Um, I was a bit like uh, Shane Watson, very good at getting to 40 and 60 but not going on with it. Right. So, uh, um, so I reckon I'd be probably 20 to 30, something like that. Not, 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 uh, not – I was just a hacker. Never played yeah. junior cricket. So when I came to senior cricket, it was uh, all new to me. I came from indoor cricket rather than junior cricket. So, Same um, here, actually, Tug, but you're a, lot, you're a lot better at it than I am. But, uh, <laughs> but there you go. Neither of us played junior cricket. Um, an, an acceptable answer on the batting average is at least double Donis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, not for me. You could have so think... put any mayo on that you wanted, Tuggy. I've given you a, a real, real uh, open end on that. He's a very humble man, very humble well, man. So yeah. you say you didn't, you didn't get past 40 or 60, but the last game of senior cricket you played, you made 100 in the twos. Like, that's correct, yes. isn't it? Well, I was You're an angry man that day. I was, I was an, an angry that, – that had uh, – Absolutely, all sorts of connotations about it. The year before, we had I'd played in the ones, obviously under Stu Batten and uh, Darcy Price, and that was a particularly tough year for the club. And I was happy to stand up and you know get get uh, selected back in the ones, but it was a really tough year for the boys, and uh, so I was particularly uh, keen to do well that day. And Typical story. My body let me down after that, so it was no good for the rest of the season. But actually, yeah. Uh, you know, put put Lilydale on the back foot for the uh, upcoming final that we played against them that year. Yeah, definitely. I'll, at least you'll always be in good form if you never play again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, one thing I remember about that day is it was the the first game after they bought the boundary in from the fence. So yep. the boundary, for those who, who don't know, is about five metres in from the fence these days due to a uh, insurance rule. And I reckon you hit about six sixes between that line and the fence. Can you confirm <laughs> that? Yes, absolutely, mate. I was wrapped. Whoever, whoever <laughs> no, kept sliding into the fence made sure that uh, – so logistically we had to have a, what is it, 2.18 metre exclusion zone for the fence. Yep, that's it. And, uh, yeah, well, these old bones made sure I could clear that uh, that that massive 43 metre boundary. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, did you play any any premierships in your illustrious career, Tug? What, what were your highlights? So highlights were really uh, – so it's sort of in three parts, if you like. The first sort of um, South Warrandyte career, we ended up coaching. We went from being a really, really good team under Bob Neagle um, and then Bazza took over as coach. And so I don't know if that was the – This is the 90s, that, correct? No. Uh, yes, it was. Sorry. Yep, yep. So that's late – Mid to late nineties, and um, and look when we so when we had uh, and I'm going to name drop here. We, you, when you've got Brash, Hanno, Jeansy bowling at you, these three blokes who just you know want to knock your head off. Basically, um, it's a really good way to train, and it's a really good way. You know, it's a it's a it's a quick way to learn batting. That's for sure. Um, and so then you know, so the the coaching left. And so as, the, as you know, from Bobby down backwards, we sort of didn't make finals a lot and slipped down the grades. And then I ended up coaching and uh, felt it was almost best for me and the club that I, you know, walked away. I uh, went to North Ringwood to find out how good a cricketer I was and ended up playing in like three flags up there. So got him back into Chandler 
Um, so that was good fun. But uh, end up winning another couple of twos flags after that. So that was good. Then come okay. back because uh, my great mate Mara said, Tug, we, you know, you're nearly ve- you can nearly play vets again. And uh, I'd retired for a whole of 12 months. And, uh, and yeah, so I started playing vets. And, yeah, it was good fun. And then from there went went in and, you know, end up captaining the twos again, coaching the tens and twelves, coaching, you know, uh, yeah. running the vets. And uh, so we've enjoyed some some sporadic success leading up to a flag that we won with under Getty in the vets, which was great fun. And, uh, and now, um, you know, obviously last year, um, it's not the pinnacle, but uh, reaching a grand final in the top divvy and just falling a bit short was, uh, geez, it was a good game and good fun to be in. And uh, but yeah, that's that's about it, mate. Not not much to talk about in between. Lots of just lots of beers in between. I can guarantee that. <laughs> well, a hero of two worlds. Uh, that's quite the career, Tuggy. And uh, you're part of this. Is we, we want to make sure that uh, the history of the club is well known to those younger fellas, and you've certainly been a big part of that. Um, now, going forward uh, and well into the future, we all know that um, you're not the best cricketer in your family anymore. No. And we've got a we've got our first uh, Victorian superstar in a long time in in the midst. Uh, your daughter Tegan is the yep. Victorian under thirteen captain. Is that correct? So that was the under SSV 12. under 12, 12 and under. That was so for yeah, obviously twelve and under girls. Yep. Um, she was the Victorian state captain. Um, it was a fan. She she led them beautifully. Uh, and once again, um, they didn't lose a game until the last day, the gold medal match against New South Wales, um, where it was when I ended up scoring. I was going to be YouTubing. I was going to be commentating on YouTube. But they couldn't get they couldn't get the link up. <laughs> that's, um, that's a real shame. But anyway, ended up scoring that game and to watch her make 96 in a granny uh, on her own, basically, out of, you know, they've ended up making 170. Um, she was just spent and she was just trying to hit out to get out because there was uh, she wanted the other girls to have a hit more than her getting her ton. So uh, it was oh, a really good. That's You've got to fix that, Tug. you got to know <laughs> cricket, cricket's a selfish game. Yes, well, it is. Look, stats are selfish. I think, but uh, but it doesn't matter if the, her intentions on the day were exactly the right ones, and I have commended her for it. Uh, and as I said, Kylie and I were just massively proud to uh, be part of that carnival and have her as a skipper. Um, yeah, but that's not the least of her achievements, obviously. So she went on and um, made her senior debut at Ringwood Cricket Club. So she's already played District One's cricket. Wow. Uh, so, Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, she's already a Caps player at Ringwood. Um, she already uh, – so a, a little anecdote about that was that she played Box Hill in her second game and with Meg Lanning at cover, oh. um, she, who was a childhood oh, hero. Wow. When I say childhood hero, that sounds ironic to someone who's only 14 <laughs> still. But uh, – and, and Meg's really, really lovely uh, but super competitive. So Tegan smashed a cover drive past her and uh, she made her run to the boundary for three, and uh, at the end of the over, Meg sort of walked past and uh, said, "Nice shot, Tegan. Thanks for that." And um, and moved on. So, but that was a really nice day. We got, you know, we got washed out that day. But uh, Teague's to have that little anecdote sitting there with her, you know, childhood hero was just uh, once again, 
you know, a great, great uh, thing to have. But like Tegan does, she's not standing still. She's been training really hard. She's changed schools, gone to uh, Roeville uh, Sporting Academy. So she's going to train oh, under wow. under Darren Berry now and get a lot better grounding in cricket and do other stuff along the way. So uh, she's fantastic. That and is he, uh, and great news. Very, very safe to say the best cricketer in the family. So that's uh, by the length of the Flemington straight. That's a, a fantastic story for uh, for South and for Tegan, she's uh, certainly doing us proud out there. And um, not only is she a better cricketer than you, Tug, she sounds like a better person as well. <laughs> so, uh, that's just that's impressive. That is impressive. Very, and very, that is very impressive. Tuggy, one of the all time great guys. Now, is it true that you, Tegan, and your wife have played in the same team at South Warren Dyne? Yep. And uh, so that was absolutely, yeah. And sort of plan hoping to, to do that uh, again this year. Oh, it's news. A bit of a scoop for the forecast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So under the great man, uh, he sort of said, oh, Tug, can you play? And I said, oh, well, I can, but I've got to bring Teagues. Oh, Teagues can play. And, oh, well, Kylie's doing Oh, okay. No, Kylie can play as well. So he's a, he's a great man, Getsy. He's an absolute champ. And, he's, uh, and he still to this day is absolutely spewing to not be recorded as Teagan's first senior wicket. Because he dropped a court behind, so uh, oh, it was a misstumping. No, Never it was a misstumping. It, it was a misstumping, and uh, to this day, he still uh, puts it up there as one of his biggest failures. So, You're telling me the, the Quinton Lynch brick hands didn't didn't snap a little stumping. No, no, Incredible. it was symbols that day. I'm shocked. And I'm shocked. Coming through with those those real loopy off spinners, so he was just uh, he had it three times before he got it spent, and uh, there you go. But uh, no, that's we've we've we'll played to... on a couple of on more than a few occasions with Getsy in that year, so that was good fun and uh, and uh, and and yeah, it was just good to get around with her. That's yeah, just show her what's about, and she just doesn't take a backward step, so it's really good. Well, that is what it's all about. Uh, great family club, South Warrenite, and plenty of father sons, including uh, the co-host here. Sean played a lot of cricket with his old man, so we're very lucky to uh, to be able to to do that and be able to give people those opportunities. So. And uh, if not for the dictatorship at selection table, probably would have had a few more games last year. <laughs> and, and on the other side of 60, you can't pick your old man in the twos. <laughs> so I still want change in the constitution. Yeah. Um, there should be one captain's pick, shouldn't there, Shawnee? So Absolutely. Well, probably having... was, he was running the fours, wasn't he, at the time? So that was they couldn't drop him as skipper. Well, and arguably my captain's pick had been used on myself too, not <laughs> for repeatedly turning late to games. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, speaking of Getsy, I, I wanted to ask you uh, who your most annoying teammate was over the years. Who's the teammate that really just got under your skin? A lot of cricket to draw on here. There a lot, is a, cons- a lot of long afternoons. A, a lot of long afternoons. The... the um, the person that comes to mind is a current vet, um, and and his name's Dave Geary, and he's the wild thing. The wild and thing. I've heard about this. The, the, the legend, the, the myth. The the myth, the legend, the ranger that is the wild thing, Dave Geary, and uh, he is just a he is just a pest on the field because he's never there. He'll be <laughs> if he's not if he's not bowling, if he's not bowling or having any active input, you know. 
then he is just absolutely not there. So the ball could be hit straight to him and gets and does on occasion. And uh, so he uh, he is he's just one who switches off in the field, and that's more annoying to me than than most about you know people can muck around or you know be three meters this way or too deep or too short or whatever. And you know I'm not good enough a bowler or captain to worry about where they actually really should be. Um, but um, yeah, Dave Geary is a real funny man. So oh. I think. Uh, oh. Sean, do you have anyone else that uh, comes to mind as a bit of a space cadet like that that you've captained over the years? Well, look, honestly, I'm probably the key fiend for oh, not being ready yeah. when the ball comes in the year. And I was going to say that. So I'm glad you said what going to direct from that question. But that's certainly been a criticism of my cricket over the years. <laughs> and. And you self-flagellate often for it, don't you, <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, seems we've, we've put a bit of a moz on there. But what about what about your favourite teammate? Who's the who's the guy that uh, has most got you motivated to get out there on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, Bearing in mind we have played a lot of cricket together, Tug. Yeah, we have yeah. played a lot of cricket. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I, I'm going to hark back, and he's uh, he's a great man, and. Uh, and was part of the, the era gone by. But to walk out and open the batting with Kev Sheehan was an absolute privilege. Now, Kev is a super, super competitive beast, um, and he would just never, ever give up his wicket. Um, but he'd make you work, he'd make you run, he'd talk you through it, and uh, he was an absolute legend. He, he was one of those blokes that was like having, uh, you know, uh, Zach Badrock or... or mummy behind you in the you know in the center you know sitting there at back pocket you just walk bigger when he was on the field yeah knowing knowing that he had an answer for everything and uh and he just wouldn't ever give up and he'd talk you through it as well so kev sheehan you know current afl list manager or whatever he's the you know talent scout or whatever he's doing for the afl but yep. uh the, the work that he did at south warrandite and uh obviously had a couple of kids come through um yeah really really good bloke Really, now, what, super uh, what, what era was that that he played in for all those that don't know? So that was late 90s. Um, I don't think he was there under Bobby Neagle, but uh, definitely under Baz. And yeah, he was a uh, he was obviously trying to be he was a funny bloke because he'd he'd try he had an office in the city and he'd run like 8k at lunchtime and then come home and run to training. And He lives on Circles Road, yeah, so right. he. He would just run and run and run everywhere, and he was just a, it was a bit of a shame he had to bring a kit on occasions. But uh, <laughs> that, that's the only reason he used the car. But look, he was yeah, really super guy. Obviously had um, you know that was another one of those um, that linked to one of the best junior cricket sides that ever played. You know, in the RDCA was our under 16s team coached by uh, Tim Sheen and um, Ben Neagle. And uh, so Brad and Tim Sheen were in that team. So they yeah, nearly. Right. And it, well, funnily enough, the, the link to that grand final was that we had 10 guns in our team and uh, Steve Garrett playing for Warrenwood nearly brought us undone. So no. it, was a, it, was a, it was a big day. But yeah. yeah. yeah well, um, that, for those who don't know, Tim Sheehan uh, is Kevin's shifter Sheehan's son. And he went on to have an illustrious career, one of the all time record holders at Fitzroy. Doncaster yep. Club in, in Premier Ones was a South Warrandyte junior. So, yeah, but um, um, Pete Dixon was in that team as well. So yeah, in that under sixteen, he's the leading run scorer for Fitzroy of all time. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, so 200 pretty gamer. Good, pretty good side. Pretty good. Yeah. It was just a shame we couldn't get him back. That yes, was the well, Fitzroy. Uh, one day, Fitzroy one day. Yeah, sorry. Fitzroy Donnie became their club and, uh, and yeah, if we can get him back at some stage doing something because, funnily enough, they're now turning 40. So uh, mm. we might, might be able to find a little loophole there. But yeah, get him in the vets, Tuggy. 2020 vets, I reckon Pete would go all right, and Timmy as well. <laughs> well, speaking of vets, you are... Uh, we did call Tim the turtle, so that was a bit funny, So because he wasn't fast. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be, uh, if, you, if you just call him up and say, hey, Tim the turtle, it's been 20 years, do you want to come play vets? That'll work just a treat. Yeah. Um, speaking of the vets, you are the vets captain, one of the teams. Yeah. Um, how did the vets finish up last season? Uh so we lost the grand final last season. So we had it. Oh. We um, we went. We had the. We nearly didn't play a game against Ainsley Park, and they're a bit of a nemesis of ours. But we ended up with seven players and lost by like twenty odd runs, which uh, which stung a little bit. But then from there we um, got a few new players in and a few players back, and uh, ended up having a bit of a run into the finals. And uh, if you look at the, the, the absolute benefit of being now playing vets and playing cricket for, just for fun, purely for fun. I am pretty competitive, but um, to rock up on a ground where I've got some great mates who I've played a lot of cricket with, you know, to have uh, Benny and Kane Hartrip, the brothers, um, you know, bloody bopper, Benny, Benny Hartrip, absolutely smacked them in the granny. Um, and then we have, you know, guys who were Milne, Milne, you know, if you know the light, um, the ground at uh, Lions Reserve, Milne hit the light pole straight, you know, three quarters of the way up. Can hit a big ball, Mill dog. Oh, the big, big dog. levers. Big levers, you know. And then in that team, we've got Cooter and Hanno. Um, Hoops is an ex South, isn't South Warrenite, but he's a great man. Um, Marty Smith, um, Marty. you know, and, and one of our favourites. <laughs> Marty Smith, um, the great man, and one of the still, you know, um, I don't think he's stopped actually. I don't think he's missed a season since I he was he was playing ones and twos when I first came to the club, and uh, back in nineteen ninety one, I think, and yeah, so he's still going around now. So, no but it was so much fun, really, really good value that game, and just to know that we've got. You know, and now that generation of those under 16s coming through and being available for vets and stuff like that. So it's a great place for us to be in, but uh, just more importantly, it's more fun. And uh, we've got even better next year. Two vets teams, is that correct? We're one of the only only clubs with two vets teams. Now there's there's very few. There was like Wonga Park had three or four at one stage. Um, and yeah, so now we're we are literally. I think it, it is only us and Wonga Park. Who have yeah, two teams. That's fantastic. Great social environment. And I saw the uh, the vets were getting around for some T20s last year, which struck me as odd because I would have thought vets would only play T20s, to be honest. It seems like a perfect <laughs> game for you guys. But uh, can you tell us about that new competition? Well, the RDCA um, and Dave Sherlock has been – it's the second year of the comp. Um, and, yeah, so we pretty much struggled a lot in those. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, when you – when you end up playing against um, teams that have manufactured um, people into the team, um, you end up playing against, you know, district rates and 
oh, you know, blokes who played for Victoria, that sort of thing. So it's a, it's yeah. a, it's it's hyper competitive. But the, the actual format um, is really really good, and it's like competitions, uh, clubs from Ferntree Gully League, clubs from, you know, um, Boxer Reporter are all lining up to get in. So I think it's expanded again this year. Um, yeah, great. Cost cost a team two hundred bucks to get in, and there's prize money, and it's. Um, it's live streamed the grand final and stuff like that. So the, they actually live stream the draw. So you get put into a pool and then you get, you know, where you're, whether you're playing home and away and who you're playing, you know, they pull the ping pong balls out and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's done with a bit of fun, but it's a really, it's really well run. And, uh, and Pete Cham, one of our great men, the, uh, our vets coordinator is on the committee there at uh, the RDCA and he's, uh, should be congratulated for the work he does there. And, uh, and of course, Phil and the executive side. Yeah, that's no, good fun. Real, real power broker, Pete Chamings. He is. So who's who of the, the vets world? Yeah, no, the quiet achiever, Pete Cham. The quiet achiever. So, yeah. um, well, that sounds like it's all happening down there in the vets. It's obviously a fantastic social environment to be part of. And uh, I think the every second week will really suit us heading into the future, Sean. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, very much looking forward to it, probably little while off but after it'll be 30 straight years of saturday cricket i think i could transition nicely to a every second weekend yep yeah i'll uh, certainly pencil that one in um and tuggy we've got one other thing we wanted to talk to you about uh relating to south warren night because you are the face of the community benefit fund um and for those of you who don't know uh tug can you explain what the community benefit fund is yeah, I can, mate, and I won't talk uh, specifics, but I can talk about myself. There was a couple of blokes at the club who, um, when I came back that year, we found out that my daughter Lacey had been diagnosed with leukaemia, uh, which is, you know, no fun for anyone. Um, but as a club, they sort of felt powerless to do something about it and um, specifically, and I will name Paul Foley, and he was the chairman I took over from, uh, he and a few friends got together and decided they should be uh, build this beneficiary fund, not necessarily to pay for you know anything other than to be able to have the funds there available for if someone should get into hardship, if someone needs um, a bump up here and there, then um, that's that's what he thought the fund should be all about. And I certainly echo those thoughts. And um, it's been really successful actually up to this date, and we've been running you know nearly. Uh, what eight years now um, and I just you know there's blokes along the way who you really need to thank and 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 it's been a bit of a, a, a thing for me but you know a great patron along the way was Mick Mulqueen, Mick and Kelly um, they put a lot of time and effort into the fund and I thank them for it um, you know Veronica Williams was on the fund there and she also you know was a power in getting the um the fund to a level where, you know, we've picked it up. We've actually not done a lot of fundraising in the last couple of years because the club's been in, you know, not a perilous financial position, but um, where any any sort of funds we raised needed to go towards the new club rooms and fitting them out. And so I think we're looking good in, in those terms, you know, with the club looking fantastic as it is. And uh, if we can just uh, generate some income, you know, as a result of that, then we'll be we'll be pretty wrapped. But, um, no, the, the, you know, the... The fund is, uh, we've got six committee members. Uh, everything's voted on by um, 
committee. So if it's not a unanimous decision, then uh, it goes to another vote or we find another option. So it's not just he, you know, Tug's got this fund, he's going to hand out some uh, shillings to whoever needs it sort of thing. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a really great idea and I'm really proud to be uh, the chairperson of it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, but I'm, I'm absolutely the beneficiary of some great work done before me. And uh, yeah, so there you go. And so if, if any hawk out there is struggling, particularly these COVID times, uh, they're to contact you, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So it's open to all members. So if anyone has, you know, and is struggling with uh, specific financial or, you know, other, um, you know, sometimes it just could be someone who needs some advice about something, and I'm not putting myself up to be a, um, you know, a, a psychologist or anything, but it's I could just be a point where the club's so large, and I, you know, for want of a better word, touch so many people that I can go right, yo, um, I can I can use uh, an instance we just had where person had some uh, issues with an injury, and I then got a hold of Rhonda Jones, and Rhonda Jones is a uh, has been a registered nurse for um, you know for 40 years. She's now retired, but um, she is an absolute font of information, and she has absolutely helped uh, this person. Yes, we did help financially, but she was she was able to get this person onto a GP or surgeon that was uh, absolutely suitable, and we're really really happy that the outcome that we've had to this point is uh, is really positive. So. No, no, it's uh, it's the way we're looking at it. So it's great. Oh, that's uh, that's fantastic, and uh, it's great to be part of such a, uh, a community like that that can all help each other out, and especially in these uh, challenging times, it's 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 lovely to know that you can reach out to someone. And we encourage anyone out there at the moment um, to to check in on a hawk and, and ring a ring a friend and and uh, see how they're going. Um, Tug, one other thing, we we there was a fundraiser last year, I believe, for. The CFA was that through was that through the yep. vets? Yep. That, so it, once again, yeah, Pete Chamming's the great man. Once again, was the is the quiet achiever and the um. So I I sort of end up becoming the face of things, you know, vets related. But I'm just the bloke who turns up on the day pretty much, and uh, and Pete's the one who really drew drove that day. We you know it ended up being a bit of a father son um, sort of scenario, and we end up raising. With uh, we end up raising two thousand dollars to support the CFA, which was really really good. And um, we, as it turns out, the so we knew, all know of the fires that were there uh, down in Gippsland and beyond last year. Well, the South Warrenet CFA drove down in a couple of trucks and ended up having warm water and getting crook from uh, even warmer sandwiches, that sort of thing. So we've provided a couple of um, uh, twelve volt fridges for them. And carry bags and stuff, and so they'll they can travel anywhere now and have you know uh, cold stuff and be able to freeze stuff along the way. And so that's another you know thing that we're really proud of. But once again, I'm just you know I I had the um, I had the uh, benefit of not being captain, but sending out getting sent out to bat and having the uh, you know 14 year olds bowl at me that I was able to smack over the fence and <laughs> ruthless. <laughs> so. We so, like that here. What else is cricket about? No, that's right. If you can't smack a fourteen-year-old around the park, when, when you know, how can you? So, <laughs> sounds like a perfect day to me. Uh, yeah. Well, Tug, thank you very much. We've got one more segment for you. Um, and lucky we, last, the lucky last, the best till last, lucky yeah, last. We, yep. 
we, we want some advice seems to the head of the community fund and you're, you're handing it out so um you know each week on this uh program we want uh we want the people out there the hawks to send in their uh their questions if they want it answered uh if they've got a scenario that they maybe thought that didn't play out that well and and there was uh, an alternative they could have taken and they'd like some advice we want them to write in and ask us so please send in your questions I'm going to get the ball rolling for us with this one. My question of the week. Um, uh, this one actually made the grade cricketer podcasts. Um, <laughs> not that we are... Taking the Hawks cast international. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah we, not that we've uh, taken any of the format of that particular podcast, but we've, we're ripping off their segment here because I set this one in and I made the, made the show. And I'd like to ask you, Tuggy, because you're a, you're, a, you're a man with a great moral compass. I need to know, am I a shit bloke? Uh, now, I've had is to ask this. Is that a direct question or are you going to? I was going to say, only, don't answer yes too quick. Only, okay. in the, only in the parameters of this example, please. I don't want to be uh, an analysis on my entire life. Just just from this story, I've um, a few years ago, we were playing uh, a game out in Warrandyte in the first round and they uh, absolutely pounced us first day. About an hour into the second day, <laughs> They'd already won the game, and I thought, oh, geez, this is pretty average. Sean hadn't even turned up yet. He's the captain. He uh, locked his well, you locked your keys in the car in your car, Sean. Was that right? I believe I may have actually left my keys at work and been required to catch an Uber to the office to pick up the keys, an Uber back from the office to my house before driving the fifty-minute drive from Coburgistan across to. <laughs> South Warren Cricket Club. I was calling Donis frantically along the way of look, I think you might have to take control this day. Um yeah. I think we've got a bit of issues here. Um rock up after game was sort of in the balance overnight I and then one Mick, of their blokes got a hold of us. I believe Mick Queen subfielded for you, Sean, and um in the one field one thing he had to do, the ball went through his legs before and he injured himself. <laughs> Right. Uh, I can definitely confirm that did occur. <laughs> and it was probably the only good thing to happen out of that day at that point. Was that was this However, a game at No, this was at South Warrandyte. Yeah, South Warrandyte versus Warrandyte, yeah. Yeah. And so I finally show up and would you believe it, we've already lost. Game over. And the captain of the opposition, Dutchie Holland, rather than steamrolling us as is the way in local cricket, decided to quite sportingly try and win it outright. <laughs> so our boys, Maddie Mullen and DC, proceed to score tonnes. Yeah. And it's 35 degrees. And I certainly didn't want to go in and field because I was sufficiently hungover. <laughs> and just kept him batting. And Dutchie comes to me at 10. He says, Sean... I'm not happy to just be fielding practice for you blokes. You guys need to go for a result. And I thought, no, that's fair enough. So I gave the boys enough time to get their tons. And then with 22 overs left, I think, to go, we set them a target of 140-odd and proceeded to absolutely route through them. Now, I'll let you take it from here, Donis. Yeah, yeah. Well, they um, they went for the for the win for whatever reason, and we took a few early wickets. Um and then uh, I noticed one of their best bats, a former South Warrenite player, actually, uh, Stu. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, just drives off before the game's finished. And I'm thinking, that's a bit interesting. Just gets in his car and... Very strange decision. And uh, we win the game, bowl him, bowl him out in 14 overs, nine down, and uh, go on to celebrate heartily, as you can imagine, Tug. Many beers I was there. that night. You were there. there. You, go. you were there. Reverse outright. Huge day. Um, we play them about five weeks later, and they haven't won a game yet. There's some mumbling in the change rooms about Dutchie's, uh, in the Warrandyte change rooms about Dutchie's declaration. They're still complaining about it. Um, their season's obviously gone awry, and we, we go out to bowl to them at Warrandyte. I think they were four or five for 11 very early on. Big so, dog had ripped through them. Big dog steamed through them. There was a mix-up. Uh, Dutchie ran himself out. So a bit of a disaster going on over there. And then uh, Stu comes out to bat. I didn't get much of a chance to bowl at him. My lot of overs were almost done, but I remember taking a slip out, putting it in on the fence because, uh, as you know, he's quite a lusty hitter over mid-wicket. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, that ball, he just edges it straight to where the slip was. <laughs> my, my overs are done, so I'm thinking, how can I get back in this game? You know, How can I help my team uh, as, a, as a great club and as a great team man that I am? And I, I think I'll just mercilessly sledge Stu. So he starts bombing sixes, and I'll just say, oh, come on, mate, a few weeks too late, mate. The season's over. Where were you? <laughs> That's <laughs> another one. Then your missus coming to pick you up, mate. Bloody hell. She's like, you gotta go early. You gotta go to the races again, mate. What's happening? Bombs another six. Oh, easy big hero, yeah. You got your cape on now and you're bloody five for nothing and oh and five for the season, mate. Your teammates not impressed by this. They're just wondering where you were five weeks ago. Bloody you better had a broken leg stew last time, mate. You had to cost your teams a season. Bang, another six. Easy over the rope. Stu, mate, what are you doing? You're a soft, you know, you absolutely Cost your team, season's over. What are you doing? This is your absolute hack. Going at him. Anyway, he starts yelling something at Sean, and Sean, he might be able to enlighten us later on what he, what, what exactly what he said, but I didn't hear it at the time. No, he started running down the pitch. He was running, mate, strongly. He was walking very angrily towards Troy, pointing out. at me and saying, You're a fing shit bloke. A uh, oh. um, lot of animosity in it. Yeah, a lot of anger. And, and I, he's not really an angry guy. I was, I was surprised by this, but it was a very windy day. Sean, I didn't hear what the discussion was between Sean and Stuart. Sean, Sean walks up to me and says, oh, Troy, you better apologise. And I mean, Sean never realised. I've crossed the line a few times, I'm sure. Sean's never asked me to apologise, so I, I sort of half-heartedly gave an apology, which just drifted off into the wind. And, um, yeah, I got off the field. And, Sean, do you want to let us know what uh, that conversation was with, with Stu? Uh, I believe the words were, you're a real shit bloke. I'm being treated for cancer. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I'd been sledging a guy all day that had cancer and was getting leukemia treatment. And I, yep. want, I want to know from you, Tug, does that make me a shit bloke? I didn't know. I apologised. <laughs> you did apologise. I did um, apologise. But his heart certainly wasn't in the apology, let me tell you. <laughs> I, th I think I have to preface this by saying that there's a, a, a distinct degree of animosity between South and Warrandyte. So mm. it, it, the, the games that I've been involved with and not even been involved with have um, managed to become fractious. And the Battle of the Bridge. <laughs> it's the Battle of the Bridge. So uh, I, with that heightened level of uh, animosity between the teams and, you know, the... The, that rivalry that actually steps back a long, long time. Um, I think, yes, yeah, no, you're a shit bloke, Troy. So. <laughs> oh, Tuggy. Uh, I didn't know, I swear. No. I'll, I'll, um, 
I'll I'll tell my mum that uh, didn't make the grade that uh, I've done I've done the cop a disservice. Yep, that well, once. That, yeah, just that just, one. Yeah, just that one just time. That one. Uh, just that one. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. I know. No, I think so it's you, official though. You're a fair. You're a fair judge. I can't. I can't uh, comment on your impartiality. So I'll just take that one on the chin. Um, thanks for thanks for joining us and thanks for your time today, Tuggy, on uh, your inaugural guest on the Hawkcast. And we've uh, certainly enjoyed you listening to your spin it yarn. Thanks for coming on. No, absolutely pleasure, guys. And uh, it's you know big great times for the uh, for the Hawks Nest. Um, everyone really looking forward to a season getting a you know when it gets away. We'll um, love it, but. Um, from everyone on the committee, from FAS um, and to um, Barrel and Solo and Damo, I think we're, we're in a really good, we're pointing in a great direction. It's great to be a part of and uh, been a great to be a part of this inaugural uh, podcast, guys. So thanks very much. All right. Thanks, Tuggy. Pleasure to have you on board. Good on you, lads. Cheers, Tuggy. Thanks, Mark. Fair to say that the COVID numbers on a daily basis are the only stats I watch even closely. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the first episode of the Hawks cast. We'll be doing this throughout the season as uh, restrictions on uh, community clubs are still in place and uh, we may not be able to get to see each other as much as we'd like. Uh, so we'll be keeping you updated with all things Hawks here and hopefully we'll see you soon.